Yo, welcome to Character Development. It's your boy, Dirty Time Capsule. You know what I mean? Um, today is a is a, a weird episode because I'm actually not even going to kind of lead it. Um, this one is on Nick. You know, he was responsible for hosting um, a class on game theory this past semester. Um, we invited our boy, uh, Billy. Uh, an entrepreneur, landscaper, you know what I'm saying, to come through and um, learn about game theory with us. I got my own impressions. Nick did some some wild shit for the last three months. Trenches. Trenches. <laughs> you know Trenches so for the most part, we're just going to go over it. And yo, Nick, you know, you lead the way on this, cuz. I bet. So, um... And don't mind me. I'm just gonna... Let's start with the book, though. I was going to say, so how do you guys yeah. like how we started? So we started with this book. Uh, it was titled uh, Inadequate Equilibria. Inadequate by, Equilibria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By Eliza like, Bukowski. Mm-hmm. Might be butchering his name, but it was a very, like, philosophical account, in a way, of game theory. And it started off by kind of, like, really abstracting out the markets, you know, and, like, trying to get you to understand what types of things can constitute what... Um, the nature of certain types of markets is kind of how I took it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know that you you were, by the way, Daniel also, he started reading the book from my, after I was done reading it, just about. So he had all of my notes to work off. And I was oh, really I interested did. to hear what... I didn't read none of your notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's but it's like, yeah, I got a lot from the freaking book without your notes. Though. I know, no, no. Like, you know you what must, I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, I was particularly... First of all, you know, you say he abstracted a lot in the beginning. Oh, yeah, he did. I, I didn't understand that first chapter. Yeah. Um, but when I read the following chapters and reread the first chapter, then it made a lot more sense. Because in the following, in the second, third, and fourth, he lays down concrete examples. And the thing about these concrete examples is that it, it, it kind of, like, blows your mind. They're so relevant. Um, they're so substantial. But the problems that you don't even necessarily think about as regularly occurring. You know what I mean? Um, and I think one of the most, what I most appreciated was, I guess, the was also just the view and the substantiation of the claim that, like, all the small actions have giant ramifications. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This topic isn't researched and funded, so niche and nuanced, but it has... The consequence of costing the lives of a hundred thousand babies every year. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nah, that was. And then he got into academia. Yep. And we'll get to that later. But I was like, yeah, my boy. It was a good take. Was that was a. Take. It was an excellent take. Excellent. It was an excellent yeah, take. True. True. Billy, Billy, what about you? Yeah. I I thought it was very interesting. Just application to life in general I guess I would say like the whole thing of like the thought process of just because it hasn't been done yet doesn't mean it can't be done that's something that I've always let like that's a battle I've had in my head forever and I didn't even realize that was I didn't realize how important that was to like actually like deeply think about it was kind of just always a general thought and then the something specific again that I really liked was how research how the way research typically goes is it's not you're trying to prove the same a a statement that's already made wrong and and that's how research leads 
I'm trying to remember exactly the way he described it in the example. I can't remember the exact example. Is it, you're trying to prove your thesis right. Like, you're, you already have, they use a lot of confirmation bias. You know what yeah. you're going to solve. Yes, confirmation bias. That's like, you, yes. you're trying to, like, in a way, it's like you're trying to back into it. Like, you already yeah. want to have that solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're trying to, like, make that work. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, it's crazy how that whole thing works. It, it's working from, um, like, there's, there's two, and, like, I think we learned about this in logic, like, preliminary logic. You have deductive and inductive reasoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's um, trying to, in some sense, demonstrate some truth out of the facts. Um, and there's trying to demonstrate how the facts apply to a certain truth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and the, first off... I think that was really important, and I I'm glad you mentioned it. Is was that book actually had a large psychological impact on me, yeah, um, and that I actually really reconsidered my own view of behavior and action. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or when he breaks down the um the modest epistemology, mm-hmm. um, and how essentially everybody and generally operates on that notion that. Oh, if I thought about it, there must be somebody smarter who's already thought about it exactly. and applied it. Already done it. Yep. And if they haven't, why haven't they made a million on it? It must not actually be that good of an idea or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Um, not factoring in all the other possibilities um, that could occur as to why this doesn't exist yet. Um, and also just downplaying any possibilities for why it could work for them. Yep. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's funny because like, those things apply to markets so well, so fucking well. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, I remember I was in a finance class last semester and it was the highest finance class that you could be in, right? And we were looking at a very specific scenario as to like, okay, the Fed, uh, they should be raising interest rates, but they probably won't. What is going to happen to the markets, right? And first of all, everybody else in the class... There's a lot of groupthink that goes on. <laughs> so it's like, I'm not going to sit here and be a contrarian and be like, well, look, like the way that I see it, I'm looking at these charts and looking at those things and try and justify my claims anymore. Because at this point, I'm like, listen, like confirmation bias. They want to just prove what it is they already have come to the solution of rather mm-hmm. than trying to find something new or investigate. Are, are you specifically, in the, in the context of groupthink, how do you think that... Um... I think that, in some sense, it doubles down on itself. Definitely. Because now people have to go and defend it, too. Because, especially in the group thing environment, because, like, anybody that's... People just look at the same problem from the same angles from a slightly different pair of eyes. But they're not changing angles. And they're not changing what they're looking at. Yeah. And they're not changing the people they're talking to. Or conclusions. Or any of the conclusions. Do you... Oh, so do you feel like... Um... People are beating the dead horse. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. But to the to the example in class, it's like, so everyone thought the market was going to go one way and it went the exact opposite, right? And um, I remember in class, somebody somebody asked very direct questions to the professor, like, "Why did that work?" Bueno. No, no, it's just the rice. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> um, I be hating beeper noises. Yeah, yeah. I know you hate the dryer, bro. I want to take the dryer. Every time it's like the why did the market not see that? Like why is that obvious? Like granted, we were wrong, but like why did the market not see that? And the professor was basically like, look, like we teach things in a very rational sense, and the markets are inherently irrational. I have, I have. That was the one moment that he broke. He, that was the one moment that yeah. he broke like the fourth wall for like a split second, and then went back to. You must have been like. <gasps> I was like, I was like, no way. I was like, exactly. I was like, oh, you have to say that. You have to agree with these people because you feel as though, like, first of all, it's an uphill battle trying to teach them the other way, and second is that like you don't want to. You want to teach them the basics, like you want to teach them the fundamentals and stuff. But I know you don't think that. Yeah. I, I have, I have a question. No, no, you can finish. No, 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 that's it. That's it. Yo, because. You know, I, I didn't. This word never freaking occurred to me until now. The word that has just been brought to my attention, and this was in a theology class, was um, the word a logical, not illogical, not logical, a logical, right? And it was used to describe emotions. Okay, we do ourselves a disservice by trying to debunk our emotions by logically analyzing them when they're things that don't really regard logic. But also to call them illogical doesn't make sense because they have some logical purpose. You can use them to some logical aim, right? Um, and it's sort of like, all right, now emotions are illogical. Some people are apolitical, right? Do you think it's possible that the markets are irrational? What like, do you mean by illogical? Illogical. Um, Non non conforming to um, logical processes as we understand them necessarily, right? Because an emotion can be illogical in the sense where if I feel fear in a moment that is not, it, it doesn't correspond, it's not congruent to the thing that it's referring to. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If I feel, um, irrationally afraid of of bees i don't know it seems like pretty warranted um dogs i've never been bitten by a dog i've never even seen a dog but i'm scared of dogs right and i'm saying and it's a puppy it's not gonna do it it's trying to lick me right but i'm flipping out i'm gonna kick it i'm gonna punt it like a football right because i'm so scared of the dog right that is an e that is almost an irrational fear the, it's an irrational response to mm-hmm. an e ira- an irrational Something that doesn't have almost anything to do with okay, so rationality in and of itself. Like yeah, you know what I'm okay, saying? Kind of. So like an irrational response to a rational thing. Yeah, sort of, right? Okay. Right. And okay. then you have the flip side where um <clears throat> like um you could be feeling the in a, an inappropriate feeling in a moment, and the vice versa, where it's like, no, you should be afraid in this moment, because that thing is gonna kill you. Yeah. He's wrong with you. You're having an irrational response to something that is like it's just signaling. It's just giving direction. The emotion has no mind of its own. It just kind of... I think that's what I mean by irrational, illogical. It has no mind of its own. You know what I mean? It kind of doesn't seem to move with any, like, obvious purpose. You know what I mean? I'm rambling now, bro. But answer the freaking question. Which is... Do you think markets um, operate with a certain degree of like neutrality to our sense of rationality yes 
It's actually interesting. That was a really long-winded way to say that. <laughs> it's interesting that you put it that way. It's, um, um, I had to pay some tuition to the market, <laughs> which is how I like to put it. When you take a big loss, yeah, I'm just paying tuition to the market as well. Um, because I, I put on a, a pretty disproportionate bet, disproportionately large bet, that the markets would become rational and start to encounter the recession fears that we have. I wasn't even pricing in like a, the actual crash of the recession. I was just saying, well, it's just very under, it, it's very understated right now in the markets, just how much on the brink we are of like something really bad happening. Mm -hmm. And so I, I put on this bet um, closer to the beginning of the semester, really. Like I put this out a few months out and even still, I'm, I'm looking at the situation. I'm like, wow, like that shit, this shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. Like just point blank. Like if, if we are assuming that the market participants are like responsible adults, literally, if you're assuming any, any level of responsibility, you would think that at some point people would just be like, yeah, I mean, it was really weird that those few banks just, just, you know, crashed <laughs> minimal like absolutely minimal you would be like oh it's kind of weird that like the u.s is at the top of its debt ceiling which is that they can't necessarily issue out much more debt so it's like if the u.s cannot pay their bill and everything else is on tabs like that's a good way to put it dude yeah i'm i'm sitting here and i'm like bro like at some point would you not assume like would you not think that like there's some sort of responsibility comes in even people are coming in to bet against the market. They're also being responsible in doing that. And I'm like, no, nah, they're just not. Like, I'm losing this money because they're just not. You bet on people to do the right thing? I bet on... I, I, I was just going to say probably... Are you trying to say, like, the most traditional response to the current things that are going on? Basically. Yeah, you, you expected people to behave in this instance as they have behaved in other instances like this yes definitely i'm definitely using historical data i mean mind you what's what's tricky is that like certain things you know um there's also kind of a game theoretic thing um there are certain time periods in the market where um something is more likely to happen mm -hmm. right so things like seasonality is what is what it could be called um where December is usually a good month. Mm -hmm. January is following. It's usually a poor month. And it's like, okay, well, why? Um, because all these firms and hedge funds, they are window dressing, right? They want to have a good year's end number. And then once January hits, they're able to just like, yeah. then, then they're able to like incur losses and they'll be making it back up the entire year long. Um, so like as an interesting statistic, I don't think, from what I've seen, I don't think there's a recession that was started in the third quarter. Like, in terms of the start of a recession, I don't know if it was the second or the third, but one of those two quarters, there was not, it was not classified as the start of a recession. And there's been a whole bunch of recessions over the years. Mm -hmm. So you kind of just got to think, like, hmm, interesting about the third quarter. And then you start looking at presidential cycles, and it's like, oh, yeah. okay, so, like, voting and all this other stuff. But, which is how kind of, like, politics can play into it. But, point is, like, there are certain times that it's just more favored for certain things to happen. And I didn't think that that was actually real until I'm experiencing it now. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh, wait, like part of why the market did that pop at the end of the quarter was, okay, 
there was any level of buying pressure, it completely destroyed everyone that was short, and it popped up even more just off a technical yeah. thing. And cooking me too. <laughs> Market-wise, this has actually been such an interesting time. The craziest time to to, to try to try to apply game theories to the stock market with everything happening with the banks and everything. Yep. Do you I, think our historical data is in, is failing us to a certain extent? Um. Just in this context, do you think it's just things are too new or too un un? Do you think you're seeing something you've never seen before? Actually, yes. I would say considering yeah. following, well, big picture following COVID and just everything that's going on with yeah. the market now, would you? it's been the most volatile, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean when I ask, has, is the historical data failing? Like, you know, this is what we were talking about even before the podcast, but it's sort of like, what is the job market going to look like in five to 10 years? We can always think in the negative where we're going to lose these number of jobs, but there I go being Shrek. We also, <laughs> we also don't know. I guess in what in what sense what jobs there are are gonna change and what and what's gonna remain. Like we're just not gonna see. It, we just don't know. It's too new. You can't make yeah. predictions on like a new on like you know, you don't know what to do with a new element until you, you start testing it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bro, my aunt put it the funniest way yesterday when I was on call with her. She was like... That was your aunt you were on the phone with? Aunt, that was a hilarious yeah. conversation <laughs> here in yeah. third person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, who's he talking to? <laughs> it sounded like... You're... I had to kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... Proceed. Um, bro, she was like... She was like, you know, Nico, like... There aren't people that have to sit at toll booths anymore and fucking collect change. You remember when that was a thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That people were at, at the Easy Pass. There was a human... Like, there was, bro, before it was, like, everyone is walking around with the easy path. Like, before that, there was people at the toll booths every single time they passed, mm-hmm. at every single, like, kiosk of the shit, collecting money. And so she's like, look, like, it's like, I'm watching that happen with AI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, people are just going right by. They don't even have to stop their car. They're going, like, 40 miles an hour down the damn. Mm-hmm. You put the little, you put the little thing on the dash. Yeah. Every time you drive by, it's click. no problem. No problem. You know what I'm saying? A little scan, scan. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? No, that's wild. That's wild. Okay. Okay. Anything. I honestly want to go grab a book real quick, though. Yeah, if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, would, I would love to. Y'all should tell. Because I got mad wires right there. So interesting how you get to a certain level of, like, what's typically referred to as genius. But I think it. Now, after reading most of this book, I think it's. I think it's a perspective change. I don't think it's necessarily um, a super yeah, high IQ definitely. or basically that. I think it's just a different angle that, to approach it from. Yeah. I'll be real. I feel like a genius. <laughs> and not because I think I'm like crazy smart. I just find myself looking at things in very different ways than everybody. You know what I mean? Um, and it's more a matter of genius and context. Because I think... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, damn. It's like, uh, let me not say that, y'all. But it's like, yeah, no. It's one of those things, in, like in this book it says, yo, you got to stop thinking you're not smart enough. Once I stopped thinking, mm-hmm. and once I realized I was smart enough, I realized I was really smart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, modest epistemology, I don't say nobody. Yo, it's, it's funny how like that was one of your biggest takeaways. 
because like the modern epistemology, I I didn't exactly latch on to what he was saying until the end with it. Like I felt like that was kind of like a thread that was kind of not going nowhere, but I was like, I just don't know where you're going with it. Um, so I went through the entire book, latching onto other stuff and like really trying to apply that stuff to the market. Um, yeah, you were looking you know, for. Oh yeah, I found it. It's because you were looking for a market, like the, you were looking for the objective, and the, yeah, tell me if I'm wrong. But you were looking for the objective component to his analysis. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like the game, like the actual game play, the rules of the game, the functions of the game. I was looking at the players, and I was looking for his analysis mm-hmm. on the game players. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's when the epistemology part is the most important. Because epistemology is everything to do with your grounds for knowledge and how that enables you to become an actor. You know what I mean? You can't, um, you won't, if there's two doors, right, and you know what's behind one door and you don't know what's behind the other door, if you take the door in which you are familiar with, you've chosen the modest approach. You've chosen modest epistemology. You've chosen to go with the thing you know. You know what I mean? My man Elazar would be saying to go into the unknown door in some sense would be going into the bold choice. Be going to the unexpected. There might be a chainsaw murder <laughs> at the other end of it, but there might be gold. Which also relates to the, what you're talking about with the historical data of the markets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. When he, um, at some point when he was talking about his, uh, his wife uh, that has seasonal depression, and it was like, dude, like, he tried something having to do with just, like, getting a whole bunch of lights on Amazon, the right lights, and going through, like, their own, like, um... Configuration process. And- yeah, like, their own, like, almost holistic solution in which they're just doing, like, light exposure therapy type deal. Yeah, yeah, And it, it like, really helped her out. And he was just looking at the literature, and he was like, why is this not readily available? Like, this is a a simple solution that would help a lot of people with seasonal depression and ultimately getting to the point that like that solution is caught up in the machine it is no incentive for the solution to be brought for exactly and there's mm-hmm. other things that will just get risen up to the top because of financial interest whatever yeah. interest whatever. so he's like it's crazy that that's not recognized by medicine but like it's the solution to it is a solution to my wife's depression you know? so and i think that was the that was also the reason I think I also latched onto the modest epistemology earlier was because I was also in the transition point where I was yep. going from wanting to get a PhD to going into entrepreneurship. And I read it just as the chair had spoke to me and gave me a breakdown of what the the life the life is like for a, a PhD candidate. And I was like, nah, I'm okay. Um, but no, so it... it the way the chair broke it down to me is that in academia, in, in the context of this book too, in academia you encounter a lot of modest epistemology in so far as well as it, it, it enables a certain prestige game. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The the um the game of like uh virtue and virtue it's it's another kind of form of virtue signaling, it's another form of status game. When you acquire a certain title, you know what I'm saying, you become an expert. Right. Mm-hmm. And so therefore people kind of have to trust your opinion when you or in your judgments on certain things. Yep. You know what I mean? Um 
and that runs into an, its own problem again once you put it in the in that in that junky ass since in that junky ass system because yeah. then again now they're not in the experts aren't incentivized to be better experts you know what i'm saying or to mm-hmm. discover new knowledge necessarily you know what i mean they're incentivized in different ways um just yeah yeah i don't know if you want to respond you know um i think the connote like i think the definition of expertise is also changing uh, and I think it changes in, in the fields in which you apply them. Um, so that was part of the independent study. And obviously I'm going to get to it, but like another part of it that I did, uh, you know, more personally was doing a course at Warden on the economics of blockchain and crypto. And one of the like supplement, like small essays that I had to write to get the scholarship was like, basically, what do you think that you're going to do with this? You know, so I was like, all right, look, like, I, I believe the definition of expertise is changing. And I believe that it's, uh, within crypto, this is like the, the epitome of how that's happening because I can get this certification, go into my work and become, be somewhat of an expert in the office. And I'm year zero. Mm-hmm. Like my managers are going to be looking yeah. to me and say, dude, you have more hours under your belt with crypto. Like, what do you think about this? You know? And so it's like, technically at that point, you're, you are an expert in a field that is very niche, emerging, mm-hmm. <laughs> everything else going on. And so, you know, as I put in the, in the supplement and I want to hear you guys' take on it, it's like, you can, you can position yourself in such a way in the world that you just catch on to a wave. And it's like, you can ride on the fact that you're an expert in a very, very niche thing that's expanding very rapidly and you can get way further than like just about anything else. Yeah. And like that's expertise. Like I'm a 22 year old, some would say expert in some, in something like crypto. Mm-hmm. Do you, you want to respond, Billy, first? I was going to say, first off, don't you don't make it sound too easy. You you put your fair <laughs> share amount of time and hours before you. When I be this man is, yeah. is tweaking. Yeah. Um, that is. I I got this this quote from my community psychology class, and I've been I've been putting these classes together. I'm currently writing a proposal for a um a summer of social entrepreneurship at the at the a uh, nonprofit I work at based on based on ideas and theories from this book yeah. as well as you know uh, a lot of community community psychology practices um but freaking stables in my train of thought cut um, expertise expertise I got this quote brother it's so beautiful I'm ready um expertise is widely distributed but legitimacy is not you know what I mean, so that's to say that there's actually such a broad um, resource of information in so many different and niche things, um, but there's not legitimacy. You know what I mean, it's like when a kid comes up to you and tells you something, and you're like, "All right, little kid, what do you know? You're just a little kid." But then you go and you're like, "Oh shit, the little kid was right." You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Right, and it's sort of just the idea that, and then, and I think this is the the thing: the internet is eroding the barriers of legitimacy. You know what I mean? 
now that we know for certain that people can honestly develop a wide range of expertise by themselves, for example, without access to universities, it's still so central and important, I think, to go to college. I'm not trying to say colleges are useless, but it's sort of like there's so much opportunity to uh, expand your tool belt mm -hmm. um, into enter different fields and different markets with internet access. I was looking up in Lawrence, Mass, over 90% of the population has access to a household computer. And I'm like, damn, yo, in a, in a low-income community like that, bro, there's a lot of stuff that could be happening in terms of, like, you know, making money or um, learning um, in terms of, you know, with just a computer and internet access. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, the barrier for entry into everything. Before you had to have a college degree to enter any work field because you needed to have a certain degree of knowledge. But, um... Bro, you did, we don't have crypto where we go to school. Cool. You didn't. Yeah. You you took one course like officially. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. Yeah. That's one course out of that countless hours and years I've seen you putting in gaining yeah. that knowledge on crypto. You know what I'm saying. Um, it wasn't just that one semester yeah. at Wharton. Yeah. You know, by any means. And anybody could testify to that too. Yeah, yeah. We have four other witnesses. <laughs> we have four other witnesses. We'll call them victims. Bro. We'll call them victims. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, and again, bro, um, people are saying it all the time. I know, uh, I think Gary V was on the Andrew Schultz podcast, the Flagrant, the Flagrant mm -hmm. podcast. Um, Good podcast. And he was basically explaining like, yo, any one of your employees right now could quit and make fucking 15 grand a month doing this, 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 and this. And he was like, yo, chill, stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop. yeah. <laughs> um, Andrew, Andrew, you know, told him to pause. Um, but he's right, though. Mm -hmm. That was the one flagrant. That was the one take that was too flagrant. That was the one <laughs> that take that was, was too flagrant. flagrant. <laughs> Pay my employees more money. That's whoa, whoa, too flagrant. Hold on, hold on, hold on. But what you call it, yo. No, so yeah, though. But this is the thing, too. And this is what, you know, I've been um, realizing about AI as much as we've been excited, you know what I'm saying? Um, like, oh, this is going to go away and that's going to go away. Bro, I still, I strongly believe a good percentage of the population is not going to bother learning the necessary skills to make use of the incoming tools, making it so that yeah. there will still be a human component to any production of AI just for accessibility purposes, yeah. for the masses. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I think about it, I hopped on ChatGPT and I'm like, all right, it can do all these things. And you're like, oh, Daniel, just ask it a better prompt. I'm like, bro, you're asking me to think harder. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. do that. I'd rather just like save the brain energy for actually writing the paper. Because I enjoy writing the paper. You know what I mean? Um, and I think looking at that in terms of Looking that way in terms of foresight is important. You know what I mean? And I don't know if you have any thoughts, reflections on that, on those on those words I just built. Yeah, what you think? I was going to say, uh, do you want to end on game theory? you want to tell your poker story or just go to AI? Because that's where I'm about. Uh, go wherever you want, man. Going you. to the toolbox and how AI... Because basically, like, even you said 93% of the people have house computers. I just nine, nine, About 90%. 90%. Well, I think even phones with ChatGPT are like infinity boxes. That's, mm -hmm. what, I, that's what my dad will call them. But um, I think AI allows people to have 
specialization, I think specialization, like you do, you get a major in finance, you get a major in this, it allows anyone to have a broader range of knowledge. Because for instance, like we use it for computer coding, when neither of us are great computer scientists or stuff like no, that. Very horrible. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I horrible. barely know anything. <laughs> but now we have this tool in the sense that we can use to help give us outputs that are correct and we don't have to we don't necessarily have to find the errors and correct them ourselves. And that goes for anybody using AI. It mm -hmm. could it just takes away specialization and allows everyone to have a broader access to Wee! different things. Yeah. You, you know, it's so crazy, like we're talking to somebody, uh, I don't want to necessarily say where, don't. but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they no name, no case, yeah. no nothing, no name, no government. <laughs> um, they, they were like, Yeah, we're using ChatGPT in class to code mm -hmm. our stuff to, to be able to like do more quantitative finance. Mm -hmm. And first of all, he said it like it was nothing, like this wasn't a big, huge revelation. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, bro, like you're not jumping off the wall. Is the fact that yeah. you're innovating i'm like yeah. dude like that's insane but so there was that but he um you know he was telling us that that's what they're using and that they're just getting better at being able to hone that yeah and that's kind of crazy to me you know because the professor has made a decision to stop teaching coding it's like why would i teach these kids coding we're just going to learn how to use this thing yeah wow yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah that yeah. was and that was crazy to me so as a side note though but so that was what he said in the first breath and then the second breath later on in the conversation mm -hmm. we're talking about a uh, a trading bot for mm -hmm. crypto and he was like he was like yeah we might be in the market to buy one mm. and i'm like oh but anyway yeah he's you know, he's not jumping off the walls about this. You know, it's like, this is just regular stuff because now the professor has embraced it. So now like it's so normalized that I'm like, dude, first of all, this is an overnight thing. We didn't know about ChatGPT six months ago. Yeah, six months ago, we couldn't use Chat with the conversation of using because the, the conversation would have been like, I went on Google, found a website, and now I can create a trading bot. Like, that would have been like, what's the website? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But now it's as simple as anybody has access to it. It's yeah. even free. Mm -hmm. Unless you pay for ChatGPT, but. And in which case you do, power to you. Yo, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. And we've seen, I think, by the way, I think our generation has seen like the craziest four years of college of, of all time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys. Because we saw pre-COVID, the COVID. entire duration of COVID, and then we exit, and college is like obsolete almost. <laughs> what did we just do for four years? You know what I mean? Like what? What we were like? Because yeah. you guys, in all reality, I could have done what I've done in four years, not here. Oh my god! Now yeah. you, you guys, did you guys lose your senior year high school graduation? Is that nah, what you guys? Freshman did? first second semester. Okay. Hell, bro, I had, I had a whole year off too. Yeah, I was bowling for a minute. Yeah. Wait, yeah. so this was this your full first full year of college? Completely this actually was your now. Nah, think about it. This was wow. my full full year of college. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So your last year was your first full year. Damn. Yeah. Because yeah. I was abroad last semester too. Yeah. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Something um I thought was important. What were you talking about? Just a second ago. Not the stuff that we just cut out. Yeah, we cut. Which, by the way, I still appreciate. Yeah, yeah, after that. Um, uh, we were kind of just talking about... Oh, ChatGPT overnight. Yes. Okay. So, two things. One, I'm curious as to what y'all think about it being open source. Even though you'll have the payable version, there is the open source version, all right? Okay. 
And then I was at a um at a fundraising at a fundraiser gala for my old high school. I gave a speech, made a lot of money. Which he did really well on. Very happy, my me. boy, very proud. The video oh, yeah. should be out. Um Love to hear it. What you call it? So Damn, there I go again. Who's in my train of thought? Open source. Open source. Um, I met these people at the table that I used to work for at this company. They work for the Department of Defense. I won't say the name of the company. Um, and I was sitting down. I asked them, okay, what do you guys think about AI? Yada, yada, yada. And then sh somebody pointed out to me something that I... I immediately took for granted as I did a much lesser version of it. I'm snitching on myself. <sighs> Damn it. I plead the fifth. <laughs> um, but yo, so when I was doing research with ChatGBT, you know what I'm saying? My little study partner, right? Um, I was, I was stealing, I was basically stealing citations. You yeah. know what I'm saying? There's a thing in academia, you can steal citations, right? And ChatGPT made that shit stupid easy. Because it did the research on the paper for me. I Googled the article. It's locked. Like, you know what I'm saying? There is a large... She gave a much more drastic example. There's a large number... She gave... Oh, yeah. It was military secrets. Oh, yeah. I remember now. <laughs> Yo. There was a freaking... They, somebody used ChatGPT Chat to write up some report. And it used a piece of information that was held in a classified document yep. of some sort, yep. Yep. right? Um, and it's sort of like they didn't realize that that, that that information was out there until the ChatGPT had discovered it, right? But the point is, is that you know it might not have been the first one, the first. It doesn't necessarily have to be the first or the last. Mm -hmm. um, you know, AI and you know initiated to find something like that. You know what I'm saying? To stumble upon something like that. Yeah. Right. Um. That's brazy. Dog, if you poke around with the Snapchat AI, like the new one that came yeah. out. Yeah. Dog, like, initially you might ask a question that requires it to know your location to answer. Right. First time around, it might not give you the response, but then you ask it another question that is very similar to the one you just asked, and mm -hmm. it will give you the location that you're at. And they say that it doesn't know your location, but it's like it just responded with it. Yep. And then it'll gaslight you too. <laughs> yeah. Because it'll be like, did you? Um, it'll be like, wait, how do you know my location? It's like, oh, I'm sorry, I, di I didn't say that basically. Or it's like, oh, I'm sorry, like I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just an AI system. I can't. Yeah. It could also understand um, pictures, which is also something that they say that it can't do. We have brains. We have brains on our phones. Bro, it's crazy. It's getting crazy, bro. Like. Yeah. 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 This is um no, and this is something I said to to the to the to the people, and one of them was like, "You're not far off, but we're we're in the process of creating life, um, for all intents and purposes, whether I think we want to admit it or not. Um, I don't think we're that far from y'all. Ever seen Blade Runner? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go now. Watch Blade. Runner. All right, all right. We're not that far from replicants. Like, in terms of... We're closer to replicants than we have ever been. Yeah. Crazy. You know what I mean? Uh, basically, like, android humans. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But they're artificially intelligent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's sort of like, yo, 
And the reason I come to this conclusion is from almost like a philosophy of mind and language standpoint and understanding the relationship between like our, our linguistic capabilities and our mental processing and, and experience. I'm like, bro, if you can teach something how to, to speak, brother, brother, like this is why we don't give enough animals enough credit. Animals can speak. They just can't use language like we can <laughs> use language. Sure. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And that's why they have the level of sentience that they have. You know what I mean? Um, but they have a certain level of sentience and cognizance. And I think it's it's correlated. Now I'm I'm getting, I don't know for sure. <laughs> I'm not an expert on this, but I, I do believe that their consciousness has something to do. Their consciousness in general has something to do with communication. You know what I'm saying? Um, or that we can find the roots of one in another. You know what I mean? It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, man. You know, putting putting ChatGPT speech to text. First of all, putting speech to text and text to speech, so you can talk to it back and forth. Mm-hmm. You can have Jarvis on your on your phone, dude. Jarvis. So yeah, you can literally have Jarvis on your phone. But then you take that exact scenario and you put it in the Boston Dynamics robot dog, which by the way can like move however the like it actually moves crazy. And now you have a dog who can speak and respond. Yeah. <laughs> you have Brian from Family Guy. Yeah, you got you've just created a, a cyber Brian from Family Guy. Bro. Yeah. yeah, literally. Yeah, and it learns upon itself. Like when you generate different responses, it can access the internet, bro. Yeah, like you put Alexa on there and it can order like stuff from. Yeah, like, it does get scary too because I think, you know, I I do wonder. I get into this argument a lot with people, but like, oh, what makes humans special? I don't think it's like our intelligence actually because I think I think once we prove that we can manufacture it um we'll have proven how it's not that like great and in the, in the sense you know what I'm saying that it's not godly mm-hmm. um it might go the other way bro you think it might go the other way I think that's you as an introspective person I think so many people are just going to interface with this thing that's going to act almost like a god on their phone like it's gonna become. It's already become so. Think about we're thinking, talking about the algorithm earlier right today. Yeah. You're voting with your fingers, and people are just like, "This is just second nature." Like people just have adopted the fact that when you're on YouTube Shorts and you spend two extra long seconds on one over another, just the casino. Yeah. <laughs> like it's designed to keep you on. Yeah. It's designed to keep you online as long as possible. It's and conditioning, it's, and it's yeah. successful. Yeah, yeah, jarringly yeah. successful, such mm-hmm. that people don't even think about it. It's just oh, it just knows what I want. This is the thing was I think like and I, and I think that kind of like emphasizes my point though is that I think oftentimes we don't think we're as subject to almost mind control and manipulation as we think we are, um, but we are. Like we're constantly being conditioned and sold simply on um, play of impulse. You know the little game notification you get on your phone, right? The way all the the, the, the the social media apps have sort of like game design implemented in them, right? To incentivize, you know, behaviors. Because that's what you can do to people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's very easy. It's not... It happens to me all the time. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I know I'm getting like, you know... Bro, I was watching myself scroll like, Daniel, get off. 
Daniel, get off. <laughs> well, it's it knows exactly what you want to see. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. one more. You know what I mean? Especially when you don't want to do some shit. Like red paper. Bro, it's literally candy. <laughs> yeah, bro. But you should go to a casino. I don't I don't recommend I don't recommend people people out there listening, do not go to a casino. <laughs> only poor decisions to be made. Only if you read But you should go to a casino though. Why? I think bro, because I went to the casino for the first time on a random Friday and I see the world a little bit differently. <laughs> I'm excited to hear this. I truly do see the world uh, differently. No, first of all, I pulled up to the casino. It was like 11.30 already. It was at like, night? Yeah, yeah. Like the fiend. Oh, imagine the AM. <laughs> I was just itching. I was fiending. <laughs> but, bro, like, I pulled up and you, like, Bro, it took me so long to even get to the poker tables. You are designed to get lost. I am a yep. I am a mouse in this maze. I am looking around and I'm like, none of these banners are telling me where the fuck I need to go. Like, I don't even know what's going on. And you're looking around, and you're seeing people hitting the slots. You're seeing people getting some beers. People, like, chain-smoking cigs everywhere. All the colors. For me, as for you as someone that gets overly stimulated, myself as well, it was, like, just, pound, like, a lot. <laughs> and, dude, it took me a while to get to the poker tables. Even sitting down there, I was like, these people, the guy to the right of me, <clears throat> this guy was in, like, this sweatsuit whatever the case clearly hasn't left it in a while looking like he was eating the gabagoo yeah looking like yeah exactly yeah no but he was a yeah no he's a <laughs> he was a fiend he was a degenerate but he my boy is running two jobs okay and he's also trying to make a life as a poker player so my boy is using the two jobs he's already telling us that he's down 1400 on the week okay he's already telling us that and he knew the people at the table, right? So I'm coming in there as a complete newbie like this. <laughs> like, what's going on? And, yeah, this guy's like, yeah, bro, like, you know, working two jobs, but, like, also look at me at this poker tournament. Like, he's flexing with him. Like, oh, that's crazy. He wasn't good. <laughs> he definitely, he definitely was not good. I ran that guy for, like, 70 bucks. <laughs> that's crazy. I was tight because I was like, I was like, damn, bro, he should have ended his night because he just went home he was green. He went home red because of some random 22-year-old. I came in and destroyed his night. Now he's down 1,500. <laughs> yeah, now he's down closer to 1,500 on the week. You know, he's starting the weekend. He's trying to get back. That's the thing. But, um, dude, I see the world differently. Because, mind you, I'll take a loss in the market, right? I'll pay my tuition. I'll be like, ah, like, damn, that sucks. I will make degenerate plays, right? Plays that in, in, are less than 50-50, right, for me hitting... None of my rules tell me that I should hit it, hit it, but I think about poker sometimes and I'm like, you know what? There are times that you do have to make like a slight value bluff. Mm -hmm. Like just statistically speaking, like honestly, maybe I got a wrong read on the market. And though I think that it's a 30% chance of hitting, it's closer to like 70 or something. Sometimes you got to roll the dice. And you got to roll the dice. Against it. But it's like, as long as the payout is proportionate to the loss, it's like, all right, whatever. I got to stop doing that. The opposite. 
I've been rolling the dice too much when the odds are against me. Yeah, never. <laughs> never. I, don't like, I like the game. The, the, the golden <laughs> rule of game theory that I've, I've gotten down pat, try to find a situation in where when you lose, it's zero, and when you win, it's positive. I don't care if it's point zero 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 one positive. Put that farm on it every time. Hammer it. Keep, and do it as much as humanly possible. And every time, it's like, yo, keep on making that loss number closer to zero. Mm-hmm. Getting in positions that, like, like, the trading stuff, sometimes I'm like, damn, like, no, I want to take off the stop loss. Like, <laughs> like I literally want to yeah. just let this run, but I'm like, yo, the market can go the other way. So it's like, taking the stop loss, putting it at the break-even, and then being like, all right, worst case, I am, I end where I start. You know, like, there's a risk, riskless trade right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can go to lunch. <laughs> you can touch some grass. Facts. <laughs> um, but, dude, you should go to the casino, bro. It's funny. Okay. It's really funny. I think we should leave it there. That's about an hour. Cool. And I'm sleeping. Billy, any final thoughts? I'm going to let you, yeah, you get the final words. Hell yeah. Final words? Question everything. I think is a good thing to leave from this. I'm trying to think of like a good last thing to say about everything I've learned this semester. And I, I think the, the qu- I think the question would be, the answer would be question everything and don't always follow the normality and you can create your own normality and it's not always wrong, but there will be times it is. And that's part of accepting taking the path of creating your own normality when you question everything. I want you to play that. You're going to play this clip back. Once I put it on the thing, because that was fire. That was good. No, that was good. That, that makes was, sense. That was, that was a banger. It's crazy because, like, mind you, like, he, like, bro, I wish I had, as I was telling him when you had to leave, like, I wish I'd read this a while back. I wish I'd read this when I picked up my finance major. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a cornerstone. I think I'll be going back to this text frequently because of I that. Wish, I wish I'd chosen to be a finance major. Probably should have. Just to the extent where, like, yeah... Like, not even just to be a finance bro, but, you know, this is one of those things, though. I slept on my ability to do math. You know what I mean? And then I never allowed myself to develop that skill and nurture that. And I realize now, after the four years of college, I really could have done math and been really great at it. You could have done finance, especially after, like, you stopped doing math and finance, as you said. You know what I mean? Um, But, yeah, dog. Yeah, man. You know, that's one of my, my regrets. Would've, and it's just doubt myself, really. Yeah, it would have absolutely killed it, dude. I mean, on on a serious note, y'all want to run the part two later? This like, yeah, we could do. I mean, I'm always leaving on Thursday. Dude. Oh, you mean like soon, soon? 